Hi everyone, this is the fourth episode of the Pedal Podcast, and this week I had the pleasure and honor to talk to Barry Coffey, who you might know as Addy Daddy. He's from Dublin originally in Ireland, and he's a retired businessman who's now living in the south of France. In the 1980s, he was the uh, Irish national badminton champion and a member of the national team. In 2015, he discovered pedal, and he has been, as he put it, an unashamed addict ever since. He has competed internationally in the ever-increasing amount of seniors in pedal tournaments, and as well as being the president of the Irish Pedal Association. He is now the founder and promoter of the Six Nations Masters Pedal Tournament, which has its fifth year now this um, this coming year. He's a really proud ambassador of Adidas Pedal since 2018, and as I mentioned as well, he's known as Addy Daddy. Please do enjoy. Hi everyone, this is a Saturday morning when we're recording this and I've got the amazing Barry Coffey with me who you will hear about and I will obviously, as as you well seen, uh, heard it before, I do an introduction and, and he actually needs no introduction, but you, you will see what he br- brought to the game of Battleland um, and yeah, just w- welcome. Thank you very much for accepting my invite. It's unbelievable to have you on the pod. Well, good morning, Dennis. Uh, thank you very much. It's it's a, it's an honor to be on the pod, really. I uh, really am very, very honored indeed. Thank you very much. So um, I'll get into it straight away. Um, how did you get into pedal? What's what's your background? What How how did you get poised uh, by this beautiful, beautiful game? Okay, well, um, I'm from Ireland, uh, originally from Dublin. And uh, in my younger days, I was a badminton player. And uh, I spent a lot of my teenage years and into my 20s playing tournaments. Uh, <clears throat> I played for the national team, did a lot of traveling. And uh, when I was about 26, I decided it was time to give up um, because I'd had ambitions of being a full-time player. But uh, those two things really that put me off that uh, there wasn't sufficient money in the sport to earn a living. And the more difficult decision to make was I wasn't good enough. So there was there was there was time to do something else. So I started a business, and uh, during that time, I went back to playing tennis, which I'd played as a child. And uh, it was one day in our tennis club. This chap came into the to the club, and he'd been on holiday in Argentina, and he had some photographs of this court, and he was talking about this very strange game called paddle. And uh, he was saying, you know, this is gonna this is gonna take over the world. And we thought yeah, he was crazy. Now, if you knew the guy, you, he is crazy, but he was actually right, uh, as we now know. But I hadn't heard it, didn't hear any more of it until it was 2015. Uh, I'd already uh, relocated to live in the south of France. And uh, I saw um, a photograph in the Nice Matin, the new local newspaper, of a paddle court. And it, it brought back the memory of this. Wow, I'm not playing any racket sports at the moment. Uh, I'll, I'll check it out. So I went online and I found uh, that there was a club nearby, just in the hills behind Monaco. And I arranged a lesson. And that's where I met uh, my, my still to this day, coach, uh, Christina Clement, um, and a very good friend. She's a really, really good coach. And she gave me a lesson. The next day I wanted another lesson and the addiction just started from there. And as you know, there's no cure. That definitely there isn't any there was quite a funny one and and i um 
obviously we we had a chat before the recording because uh, we just wanted to see if if we are comparable and and we we were talking about like one one and a half two hours without stop so we knew that this is gonna be a good part hopefully the listeners will enjoy it as well but there was this um uh, interesting article in the Hungarian Eurosport and I would just get back to your badminton days with that one which is quite an in interesting one because you played tennis and you played badminton as well. And what the article said is that uh, there was this research about some uh, mathematicians on on what they would choose to be the world number one uh, Olympic champion badminton player or to be a top 10 tennis player. And I think it's quite an interesting one if you think about it, that obviously the um, the badminton player is the most successful person in the world in badminton, which is a really, really neat sport. Or you get like um, uh, an amazing um tennis player who's top 10 maybe played a few semis in in grand slams and all this and that and it's just an I, I just want to have your take like if if you would start over which one would you choose well as a child I suppose I was exposed to tennis and always had these ideas and dreams of of winning Wimbledon uh, as I think we all have and uh, I haven't given up on that dream yet <laughs> I think perhaps at 62 it's not going to happen uh, and also, I haven't played tennis for more than 20 years. I, I think each sport is, is individual. And if you're talking about a sport like badminton, it's so big in in East, in the East, so in Asia and China, uh, etc., um, where where matches there are are like football matches. There, there's no there's nothing like this. The players are ready, quiet, pleased. You know, they they cheer and shout during every rally. And when a guy goes up for a smash, all the crowd shouts with him. And it's fantastic. <laughs> and I've heard stories of uh, uh, people like Victor Alexson, who's the world number one, coming off a plane, they say, in, somewhere in Europe. And, you know, just getting a taxi to his hotel and it's fine. But do that in China. He needs security. It's 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 superstar status that the, their fans are outside the hotel. I suppose the same adulation there that you would have uh, uh, for somebody like Roger Federer uh, in tennis. I, I think I, I think I suppose if I was asked to be the question, do I want to win Wimbledon or would I want to to be the world number one badminton player? I think I'd have to go with badminton, really, because I, I think it's such a complete sport, known to be the fastest racket sport uh, in the world. Um, and I know so many people think, oh, badminton, isn't that, that's what you play on the beach or something like that. But uh, I have this theory that intrinsically all sports are stupid, with the exception, with the exception of the pure sports like running and, and, and jumping and swimming. Because once you bring a racket, a ball or something into it, it's, you know, football is stupid, rugby is stupid, tennis is stupid, uh, unless, you're, unless you're into it and then you realize how, how it isn't. But uh, yeah, I think I would go. I think I would go with badminton. No, it's brilliant, and and uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it, it would be easy. I would, I would definitely be a top ten tennis player. But you know, I'm um, I'm a tennis player at heart still. Um, it is evolving into a um, you know, paddle has a, a big part of my heart now, but it's still mostly tennis. So yeah, I mean, it's it's um a really interesting uh research and and um and i guess because of of your past with badminton and 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 i know that we're talking about pedal but it, i think it's 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 all about um 
racket sports. And as you say, I really like your your um, example with uh, with being stupid because I think in a way, like you know, as as a, a sport enthusiast as I am, it's just crazy that you can sit down at the t- TV and and watch curling for like I don't know four hours when it's when it's <laughs> nothing is happening really. So it's just a crazy thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, and and the last last um, just just a little remark about uh, badminton. So I thought that I'm gonna be pretty good at it because I'm I'm not too shabby with with a um, sort of a, an extension of my arm in my hand. Was absolutely rubbish at it. So when I tried it, I was so bad. And I thought that yeah, I mean you know obviously we played in the garden, we played on the beach and whatnot, and that was okay. But within within the lines, with with a net between you and all this and that, I was absolutely devastatingly bad. <laughs> yeah, the tech the techniques are are different, um, and, and the, the shuttlecock, missile, ball, whatever is is, is you, you're talking about, um, it behaves differently, and uh, it it accelerates very quickly, but slows down quickly. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you have smashes crossing a net at, at a phenomenal speed, but yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a so so let's let's get back to paddle because that's what we're here for. Um, what so, is your best result in paddle, and and um, how does competing look like in in senior paddle where you where you're competing? Okay, well, my best result um, is still to come. I'm sure of that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> really, because that's what that's what drives me every day. Um, the p- pure enjoyment of it, but I'm still very uh, competitive at heart. I suppose the most memorable results when I started traveling uh, to the British Paddle Tour in uh, 2017, at the end of the, the, a year or two on the tour, I had won a fair few tournaments and I was number one ranked player. Yeah, the, the, the first one has to be the, you know, the, it's maybe not the best result, but I'd been in a few finals and just couldn't crack it. And then finally got won a, a tournament on a, on a champion's tiebreak. And uh, I, I don't think I'll ever forget that one. Uh, other, other results in tournaments that, I, that I've won, I have to look back through, through diaries or something like that and think, oh, yeah, I remember that one. But the first one is, is still etched, etched in my mind, uh, especially I can replay the match point as if it happened uh, yesterday. Do you play on forehand or backhand? At the time, for a long time, I was playing, uh, I was playing on the left. Um, mainly when I started, nobody else seemed to want to. So, but I had a, a quite a bad injury uh, in 2019. Uh, I was playing a tournament in uh, in London, and I was going in for a drop shot, and my foot caught on the carpet. I kept going, but my foot didn't. So uh, there was a crack, uh, I fractured my ankle, and uh, that was me out for a while. And uh, when I was recovering from that, um, that was the time actually my coach said to me. Now's the time to switch uh, to the right. And I remember thinking, okay, if you say so, but but why? And she said, well, there's two things, really. Your style is, is more for the right. You're more of a positional player, softer player, l- looking for the opening. Uh, you don't have huge power. And then she looked at me and smiled and said, and you're getting a bit old to be playing on the left. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was good because it... it it was a whole new change. I mean, people who don't play paddle don't understand the difference between playing right and left. And when people say, oh, I can play either side. Well, maybe if, if they say that, they're either 
incredibly talented or they don't know what's going on. And uh, it, it took me a while to do that. And I found myself becoming competitive again with, with a lot of the younger players in my club, because you can appreciate most of the players are younger. Um, and I was losing touch playing on the left. And then I found myself, just by virtue of being invited back to play games, which I hadn't been anymore, uh, because I was the right side player. So it's, it's, it's good. It's a good side, good side for me. Yeah, I um I play on the left because uh, my my usual partner is a lefty and ah. um, and and they I mean back from my tennis days I always enjoyed playing with lefties anyway uh but in tennis it's a bit different cuz um um only just like the highest highest level and not even there most of the time play on on like opposite sides so you don't really want to return a serve with your backhand in tennis because it, it can be, it's it's just such a such a bad. So if look, I I have a one handed backhand which looks uh, the worst shot of 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 my life all the time when I hit it. Apart from when it when it's um when I actually slice it, but that's tennis. In pedal, um, I I enjoy the challenge of of getting it back. So um, so yeah, for me. It was quite interesting. I, I told you about yesterday. I, I played with with my friend, and and um, and and he's usually on backhand because he has a natural motion of backhand in tennis, and and he just thought that yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna be great at it. Um, and um, and now because I play a lot on the left, I prefer the left because then my my forehand volley is in the middle, and that is that is a massive thing. And when you hit the bandeja or when you hit uh, hit the vibora and all those. It just it, it just gives you a, a natural angle from the middle, so I think it's it just you know it takes time um, and um, and yeah it's it's interesting. So who's who's your partner? Who who do you usually play with on the tournament? I, I have I have different partners now. I, I did play for with one more or less with one guy for quite a while, and that up to COVID. Um, and we talk about COVID now as people spoke about the war. You know, things are pre-COVID and post-COVID. Or Jesus Christ. So, so I'm, I, I just, yeah, I'm. To use the old phrase, I'm playing the field now. I play with different. I play with different partners all the time, um, and uh, in tournaments now as well. I'm, I'm, I'm playing with different with different people. Isn't that tough though? So isn't isn't it something which? Because uh, again, I can just go back to tennis and and look. I'm I'm still in the beginning of of my route in um, pedal and competing in pedal. And and how I can just see is that it's really good that I do have one partner who's who's always there and I know what he's gonna do. And, mm. and I know that if I leave the ball, he's gonna be there. And 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 he knows that if there's a smash, I'm gonna bury it and and all that. So isn't like I know that I don't know, I guess you do have like four or five different partners and not really more than that. So you don't play like with 15 people and then oh, you no, no, I mean it's 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 two or three. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's that at the stage because uh, after COVID everything took a, took a hit. There was nowhere to go. I'm going to start playing now. I started last year. I'll, I'll go this year on the international seniors paddle tour, and that's a tour run by a really great guy from Argentina called uh, Roque Roazio. There's tournament tournaments throughout South America, and but he's also got a, a circuit now in Europe, and I'll play those. And it depends what category the the tournament has as to who I would look to play with, because some of the events will have a plus sixties category, and well that will restrict me to to playing with 
people I know who are over 60. And there's really only three or four that I know. Um, and they're all English guys, actually. Uh, one is Swedish, but he lives in England. And uh, so we will we will hook up for some tournaments. Um, I hope to play one with a, an Argentinian guy I know who, who will be over. Um, but that would be plus, I'd have to go to down to 55s for that because he's 58, I think. So it, it can depend on the uh, on, on the category. And then there's another category within the seniors tour, uh, which is plus 100. And that's plus 100, the pair. Um, and that would have a, usually have a minimum age of 45. So that makes me sort of a little bit more desirable as a partner uh, because of my age. Somebody, I, I can go with somebody who's, you know, 45, 40, very athletic, uh, and that can work very well uh, as well. So we'll have that. Uh, yeah. Um, so just a, a quick joke. Why don't these guys over 60s from, from England move to Spain or to southern France? Why are they living in, in England? <laughs> I suppose that's what I would like to say as well. But I think they've they've got their they've got they've got wives and families and uh, some of them are still working have got businesses. So but the answer is I've no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just um um I was I was there in, in uh, southern Spain um just a little bit less than a month ago and um in Costa del Sol and and it's just unbelievable to see how Pedal is taking over tennis as well. I mean, I, I know that in, in Spain, it's a bit different because um, I remember 10 years ago when I was working in, in London, uh, they already said it, that more people play paddle in uh, Spain than in that they play tennis. Mm. And and um, it, it's, just, it's just interesting to see. And that is my next question as well. So how's the, um, how's the scene looking in, in Southern France? So can you get partners every day? Can you get... Um, a, a game every day how many courts do you have how does it look did it did it also have the same sort of effect and boom what it actually has now in in the uk uh, i think it has yes and getting courts becoming more difficult but more courts being being built but yeah i, I could i could play probably every day uh the people in the club they're very good like that they just i, I can just ring and say look I'm, I'm looking for a game and i give them the amount of days i'm interested or and the uh, They'll just pair me up with with three other people, and and usually the games are they they know the people in the club, they know, and the games are spot on, um, and that's that's happening uh, in Ireland as well, and that's you know because that's really where where all my heart is for for paddle um, and and the growth of paddle there, um, where I I try and help get things like that happening. Yeah, that's. Um... I mean, yeah, that that is also a, a really interesting one because because uh, I, I I sent you a few questions and and uh, I am really interested in Ireland and and how how things are looking in Ireland and and I wanted to ask about uh, what the plans are and 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 last time we spoke you 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 mentioned that there are uh, a few courts but still not even close to the amount of courts what you would need so uh, can you please tell me tell us a bit more about uh, the position of paddle in in Ireland. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I'm president of the Irish Paddle Association and have been for a few years now. And our aim really is to is to grow grow the game. And at the moment, we're trying to uh, get the sport officially recognised because as as yet, it's not an officially recognised sport. It's a it's a pastime. And if we can get it officially recognised, that will mean it, the sports and and investors and clubs will have access probably to government grant money 
Um, I would give you the example. I would think we're in the same position that British Paddle were in a couple of years ago, and they uh, joined uh, with or got swallowed by, whichever way you want to look at it, but it was still, it was all very amicable. And um, they joined with the LTA, and the LTA became the national governing body for paddle in the UK. And immediately that gave paddle official sports status. And then grant money became available, and the LTA were giving interest free loans uh, to courts. And I know there are some critics of, of that system. But it's worked very well. I think it's worked very well for the UK. The, the game has grown very well. And it's happening. It's the same here with FFT in France, with FIT in Italy. Um, so that that growth has, has done. So we're looking at that. Um, we're in talks with Tennis Ireland as well. We're looking at that. And at the moment, I, I, I suppose we're being Irish. We often do look to the UK at, at what they're doing as the nearest neighbour, etc., and the growth, the game has grown very, very quickly uh, in the UK in the in the last year or two. But in Ireland at the moment, I think we have we've got we've got twenty three courts uh, in Ireland at the moment, and um, there's I think two hundred and thirty courts roughly. I mean, it changes in the UK. It changes every day with a new a new centre opening here, a new centre opening there. Um, so they've got roughly ten times the courts that we have. So, you know, we should look at that and say, is that awful? Well, they've also got 10 times the population that we have. So it's actually a pretty good yardstick uh, to look at. And what we need in Ireland is more courts, um, <clears throat> but primarily what we need is more indoor courts. And I'm glad to say there's, uh, in the west of Ireland now, there's a, a, a new uh, project coming in a place called Oran Moor, uh, which is just outside Galway. They've applied for planning to put in five courts and uh, five uh, covered courts. So they're in, shall we say, discussions with the planning authorities at the moment. And uh, hopefully that will uh, that will come to fruition because the west of Ireland at the moment, there's no paddle. And it's a very vibrant area for great history of sport, uh, especially racket sports. Um, so that would be good. In our, most of our courts are based around the capital city, Dublin. And I suppose that's what happens in every country. Um, we have one indoor centre uh, called Paddle Zone. That's in a place called Selbridge, just outside Dublin. And they have uh, they have two courts indoor, um, but they're just about, uh, they're in the process now of installing three more. So that's going to be a huge, that's going to be a huge uh, boost uh, for the game. And other than that, you have mainly the, the organic growth of uh, paddle courts being put into um, tennis clubs. So we do have one uh, public facility in, a, in a Dublin City Council. They have a public facility and that's uh, for, but it's a it's very good facility, but it's outdoor courts. And with the climate in Ireland, it's, I mean, we're pretty hardy as a race and people say to me, you know, oh, you, you can play in our all the time, but you and I know you, you can't play paddle in the rain. I mean, you can play a version of mini tennis, but you can't play paddle because you can't use the glass and it's it's just not the same. Yeah, we, we but, spoke about it. And and I think it's it's just such an interesting one because uh, a lot of people, unfortunately, Hungary started a bit earlier than than the UK has in terms of like the boom itself and, and uh, 
Yeah. So, okay. I, I have a, a special relationship, obviously, with, with racket sports. And, and because through tennis, I see how people evolve in, in pedal. And and I see that more and more tennis players. For example, there's a the, there's a really good friend of mine. Um, a big shout out to Martin. He's uh, he's um, he's he still has a live ATP point. So uh, so he's a really really good tennis player. And he uh, we we played paddle uh, last time we were at home, and he's unbelievable. Like you know, if if he's that good of a tennis player, he's going to be good in paddle. Um, but it's, it's, uh, so you see that they are evolving and, and it, and it's not a given that's, that's another thing as well. And I will get back to the back walls, what you mentioned, cause I, I really want to talk about the glass and how it, it actually, how, how different it makes the, the whole game to use it. And, and it's not a given thing that if you're a good tennis player, if you, if you volley well, um, it's not going to mean that you're going to be good in paddle. And, and it's, and it's quite interesting because I'll, I'll, that's, that's a misconception I think about paddle that like, yeah, you, you play with a shorter racket. Um, if you, if you volley or smash well, you're going to be amazing at paddle. Now I have to realize, and, and I'm in the transition as well, where I have to realize that my smashes are only good for a certain period of time after it i really have to cut the ball so hard and so different than what i would do in tennis that it is a totally different sport yes you play it with a tennis ball roughly and you play it with with uh with a stick in your hand which is reminiscent to uh to a tennis racket in some way but it's nothing like tennis really after a while. So yeah, and, and what you said, and, and that, that's why I brought in Hungary, and, and I wanted to get back to that point. Um, in Hungary, they play in the rain, in the fog, and in, in, in like, you know, three degrees, and it's pedal is um, a Mediterranean or, or a really hot weather sport. And it's brilliant when it's the sun is shining, when the glass is lively, it is loads of fun. When it is, when it is horrific when 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 it's wet play something else play indoors <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely and we're just going back to to ireland there because that's we always talk about the weather and uh, it's one of the first things that people ask me when they from when i speak to people in ireland they say to me, oh what's the weather like where you are and i always think i have to look out the window because it's i'm not obsessed with it i'm just look out the window to make sure it isn't raining because then i can play paddle um, and that's what happens but one of the things that we are looking at also in Ireland is uh, new coaches or more coaches, because with new new courts coming on stream, uh, the, the the few that I've mentioned there, that's uh, sort of eight new courts. There's some new tennis clubs put looking at, at paddle. We need more. We need coaches. So one of the things that we've been working on, and it's, it's now going to happen, is we're bringing the uh, AFP Academy to Ireland uh, in June to train some coaches and uh, <clears throat> i've been working on this for quite a long time and the afp academy is all for paddle academy it's powered by adidas and it's a, an internationally recognized coaching qualification um because up to this if you wanted to be a, a paddle coach and you were living in ireland uh, and you wanted to get a, a recognized qualification um you had to go to spain or you had to go to the uk to get an lta or british paddle something like that um but now this will be the first time we'll have this quality of uh coaching for coaches and we hope to be able to qualify possibly up to eight new coaches this year 
If that happens, which we've got the dates and everything set, I'll go back to one of your other questions and say, that'll be my biggest victory because uh, I'm really interested now uh, in, in growing cattle in Ireland. I mean, there's two people here. There's Barry Coffey, the player, and that's, that's one thing. And that's a, a part of my life. Barry Coffey, who's the president of the Irish Paddle Association, uh, it's it's amazing the amount of time and I spend and effort I, I put into that almost as much as when I'm actually playing, because I, I really believe that the sport uh, needs proper governance uh, in Ireland and it's a it's in a position now where it can grow. Um, it, it's it's like what we'd say it can take you all your life to become an overnight success, and I think that's that's what's going to happen for us now in Ireland, hopefully within the next within the next year. Uh, I, I've thought this before, but now I really. I think we've got more courts, we've got more people coming on. There are now some new companies opening uh, in Ireland who are selling courts builders. Now at the moment, they're not manufacturing, they're bringing in as agents, but that's just testament to how the, the game is going to grow where, where some Irish people think, hey, this, this can be a business. So that's, that's, that's where we're at with, 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 uh, with Paddle uh, in Ireland. The actual teams and competitions that's a different thing. Um, I think I touched on when we spoke earlier um, in 2018, I started a tournament called the uh, Six Nations Masters Paddle Tournament. And that came out of a, a discussion. I was playing a tournament in Scotland a few months before I organized the first international match for an Irish team. And we we'd played against, it was a gentleman's over 50s team uh, and we played against Monaco. And uh, it was it went so well, everybody loved it. And it gave me an idea of thinking, wow, this is 2017. There wasn't so much for seniors then, there is now. Um, so I spoke to a few, few people at the tournament and said, what about maybe we could do something along the lines of what the rugby players do? Because um, it was a rugby weekend, so people were talking. So we straight away, there were some people there from England and Scotland, and, and, and I was there with another guy from Ireland. And we said, well, let's, how about, you know, Ireland, England, Scotland? And well, there was no Welsh players at the time or no Welsh association. There is now. I thought we could get this together. And there was a, a chap there called uh, Paul Ross, who was just, uh, it was a spectator. Um, but Paul is the joint managing director of a company called Paddle Tech. And Paddle Tech are one of the, well, they are the premium supplier of paddle courts in the UK and in Ireland. And Paul came over to me and said, you know, I've, I've, I've heard your discussion. Um, I think it's a really good idea and we'll support it. I had an idea and I had a sponsor. I, I really have to do this now. And um, uh, Paddletech came on board. They they gave gave us the funds uh, to start off. And we had the first, we, it was a four nation event in Casa Paddle in Paris. And we had Ireland, England, Scotland and Monaco. And immediately uh, I thought there would be a one-off I stood there and watched all these people coming in and they're all laughing and shouting and saying, oh, hi, Barry, how are you? Oh, wow, I've actually made this happen. And it was quite an emotional moment, really. And, and when it was over, they were all still in great form and laughing and saying, you know, where are we going next year? And my jaw dropped. I thought, next year? <laughs> I really hadn't thought there'd be a next year. I really hadn't. So I got stuck in and we grew it straight away and brought it up to Six Nations. And that's where it's been uh, ever since. And I, I take it to uh, a different country every year. So it, we've we've been to Paris twice, but since then we we lost a year for COVID. And we've we've been to Helsingborg Paddle in in Sweden, and we've been to the Paddle House in uh, Finland, 
in Espoo. And this year we're going to Switzerland at the end of May. Uh, we'll be playing in Paddlebrag, Baden. And we will have uh, teams from England, Germany, Ireland, Scotland, Estonia, and Switzerland. So this is a great way uh, of, of getting all these people together uh, for people to get the opportunity to wear their national shirt, represent their national team, uh, have some very, very competitive paddle, and then have a great time as, as well. Uh, if you, When I look back at the photographs of the matches and the serious faces, and then afterwards smiling, people swapping shirts, and uh, you know having such a good time, having a beer afterwards. So it, it's grown into quite an event, uh, much more than, than I ever thought. I'm very proud that the Irish Paddle Association actually you know, are, are behind this and, and host this. And already, I, I won't reveal who it is, but already we've got next year's venue uh, set up because instead of scrabbling around looking for somewhere, people are now coming to me saying, can we host next year? Or can we be in it next year, other teams? My ambition obviously is to host it in Ireland. Um, but to date, there hasn't been an adequate facility, but that's coming very soon. Uh, because obviously I would only entertain an indoor uh, arena. Even in even in other countries, it has to be indoor because I, we can't risk bringing everywhere somewhere for the weekend. You know, even London in midsummer, you could get two days of horrendous rain, and it's it's washed out. So we we'll, we'll uh, stay with indoor uh, for the Six Nations. There's so much which I wanted to reflect, but it's just great that you actually uh, spoke about one of one of the questions which we which we wanted to mention the Six Nations because I know that it's uh you, it's uh, you're really proud of that uh that whole uh, um the tournament which which is going on and and that's um look I, I'm my my jaw is dropping and we we already spoke about it that you you you're you're um, definitely a pioneer in in paddle and and you don't look at yourself as one but you're still is and and it's and it's such an exciting time and we spoke about it with every every uh uh guest of 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 the podcast is that that how unbelievable time we are in that we are in the beginning of of something which is taking over the world and you can see it in the middle east you can see it in obviously so, uh, south america is already um conquered but but you see that what it is doing in continental Europe and everywhere. And before I get to, because you mentioned Adidas and I really want to get into Adidas because I know that that you, I haven't said it before, but I, I I will say it in the introduction about you that you are called the Eddie Daddy, but you're not there yet. So I, I will talk about it. But before we get there, we uh we we spoke about it with uh with Emma as well that we need more of everything Emma Kimber uh, of the Bandeja magazine and and it was quite an interesting one and I wanted to reflect on what you said about Ireland that you would need eight coaches yeah you need a lot more courts you need a lot more coaches now um it was quite sad to see but look it's still early days that I've I've played in Weir Paddle because um in Bristol this week three indoor facilities with more than 10 courts are opening up and um i think rocket pedal is not there yet but in in a couple of weeks they will open up but we are talking about we are pedal uh, surge and rocket pedal and we just need more we just need more coaches we just need more players we just need more um racket providers and that's where Adidas comes in. So yeah, um, 
you mentioned Adidas and and that uh, the coaching program is sponsored by them. Hmm. And also you have a special relationship with Adidas. And I wanted to ask about that and how did the term, which everyone knows you who's in paddle, know you by Adidas. So please tell me about that. I became an Adidas player in uh, 2018. Um, I was very fortunate to, I won't use the word signed because everything is, we had a gentleman's agreement. But I started using and promoting uh, Adidas rackets and, uh, and wearing the clothing. And I've been using the Adipower Control uh, racket since, since then, 2018. And I've obviously changed with each model. Uh, we're now up to the 3.2. Um, so that's five, six years. Um, and testament to the quality. I've never broken one, uh, which, is, which is amazing. I mean, you could say it's because I don't hit hard enough, but... I think it's I think it's more to it than that because I I did use other brands and I did break some just just by hitting the ball so uh, I've never broken one but they very kindly uh, gave me an agreement and uh, that has grown and I've I've been with them since they're a fantastic company um, Adidas is a huge company as you know so uh, Adidas Paddle is actually a licensee. So it's a company called All for Paddle, and they're the official licensee for for Adidas uh, in the paddle paddle world. Um, they're uh, based in Madrid, and their other company is AFP Courts, uh, which is All for Paddle Courts, which also manufacture the Adidas courts and other. Uh, and they're uh, in Barcelona. So I've been lucky enough to visit both both places. And uh, in Bar in Barcelona in December, uh, I was very honored to be the guest speaker uh, one of the guest speakers at the all for paddle international conference and we spoke about the power of paddle that's something we could talk about forever you know they, they asked me could you talk about paddle for 10 minutes how about 10 days <laughs> no problem and they said well it's going to be live so <laughs> we you, you'll be on the stage we won't be able to edit out the other nine days that so we did that so i've, I've been using uh, been using that when I turned uh, in the in my club, uh, I was always the guys here, the, the mainly French, would call me Mister Adidas, and it was quite fun. But when I turned sixty, uh, the day or two later, I came into the club and somebody said, "Oh, now you're sixty. Now we have to call you. You're our Addy Daddy, Addy Daddy." Wow, <laughs> I thought it was great because, well, I thought this is this is really fun. But you've got to be very careful with with names like that and using them because people are very protective and rightly so of their brands. So I asked permission, I spoke to the people involved at All for Paddle Adidas and said, is, is this okay? Uh, is it okay for me to use this on social media or, you know, other than just people call me that? And uh, they came back and said, no, it's it's really good. Uh, we, we like it. Um, so now, in fact, instead of having my name on the back of my shirts, which I didn't I didn't really like and, and didn't have, because I, I thought that's really for more professional players and players of a higher level to which I am not. Um, I have Addy Daddy on the back and it's, it's fun because the joke is on me. Uh, it's like, you know, rather than putting old man paddle or something on the back, it, it's, and it, it rings and it's very, it's very good. It's fun. And it's taken off. Uh, I mean, I, only yesterday I, <laughs> I was in the street and, and this guy who I'd never seen before came up and said, ah, you're Addy Daddy. Uh, I saw you play paddle. And uh, somebody came up to me in Derby and said, uh, we are paddle and said, oh, I follow you on Instagram. You're Addy Daddy. 
I'm sure I used to have a name before that, but <laughs> maybe I'll You're start. You're a celebrity now, Barry. You're a celebrity within Pedal, and and, and it's great to see as well because, uh, look, Adidas, it is one of the biggest brands, and I'm and I'm really aware of of their environmental uh, changes and 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 what they do for for our environment and and how they recycle material and and I'm a big fan of Adidas, I have to say. So I mean. Um, and there's the green paddle. They also have, you know, the green paddle with idea when you buy when you buy a racket, they plant so many trees, and you scan the code on the vat, and you, you know, they plant so many trees. It's it's all very good. It, I I I really like that um, that stance on on where they are within the sports market, and um, and you know, I I really like their sponsorship scheme anyway, in, in tennis as well, because I really like the players who who they they work with. And um, I just find it really funny. And that's one of the things which I cannot really get my head around. Why do pedal players have their name on their back? I never got around that because I know that football players do. But imagine a tennis player, like, for example, um, um, an Adidas endorsed guy like F uh, Felix Ojealiasim or Tsitsipas having their, their name on their back. It, for me, it just feels a bit weird because you're in a cage you already know who's who and they actually play in either white or dark so it just for me it doesn't make sense what can, can you can you I, I don't know i suspect it's i suspect it's something that came from from soccer or football maybe it's something good it's for tv maybe maybe it's maybe it's for tv but i do like to see that some of the people uh rather than having their you know their full name across the back they might just have a christian name or a nickname or something Paola like that. or Ali or something like that. And that's that's nice. But yeah, I wouldn't have felt comfortable yeah, with my name on it because I'm 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 very brand loyal and I, I always have been. And my idea of going out to play a practice match in the club on a Saturday morning at 8:30, dress as if I was playing the final of a tournament, um, because I feel I owe that to to the people who support me um so therefore there would be no question of i'll just wear that old shirt there or this something it's i feel you know it's it's got to be perfect and and i get a lot of uh, a lot of jokes uh, made uh, or in ireland we call it slagging where people make jokes about you in, in a friendly way and say you know you're just gonna have to play a practice match it's it's not the final of the world paddle tour but but for me that that's important because you're representing you're representing a brand, and even if I'm just in the days when I did it, just going out for a run, I wouldn't go out in anything other than top to toe uh, Adidas clothing, uh, because in this day and age, you know everybody's got a camera, everybody's going to be snapped a photograph, and and I, I think it's very important. I mean people brands they they support you uh if you're fortunate enough they support you they give you something uh, and i very strongly believe that you have to give back um there is a sense of entitlement among some players who just think well i just want free stuff um and i don't ever i don't believe in that um i believe you're given stuff to use that word um but for a reason they don't there has to be something given back in return and I, I don't know because of that. I, I'm I'm very fortunate. Um, as along along with my Adidas uh, connection, um, I have other brands now uh, who support me, 
And uh, so we've got people like Paddletech, who are the uh, the cork manufacturers. I carry their name on my shirt. I always have done. And uh, I have a new collaboration now with an Irish company. And that made me very happy because, well, being Irish, to be to have a collaboration with an Irish company is great. So right across the front of my shirts now, I have the name rackets.ie. And uh, they're an online uh and, and physical uh, store in Ireland, and they're by far the largest uh, supplier of racket sports, um, badminton, tennis, and now they're hugely into paddle. And uh, I'm very pleased, you know, they've they've chosen me to to carry their to carry their name, uh, which is great. Uh, I represent a brand called Paddle Intelligent, which you may or may not have heard of. Um, they make this product called a comfort bracelet, which is a silicon. A bracelet which attaches onto the safety cord of your bat and uh, it a it's more comfortable than the cord but also of course it stops the cord getting soaked with perspiration and and this is i mean it's a, a small product which costs only a couple of euros i mean it's and it makes it makes such a difference it really is and you know i didn't i started using it i mean i was i bought it i i, I was buying it uh because i really believed in it and then it was after that we, we entered into an agreement uh, that they came to me and said, look, we see you're using this. Do you want to do something? And uh, it came from that. Um, likewise with the Apachita Overgrip from, from U-Paddle Sweden. Uh, fantastic uh, Overgrip, which has a, a thin sponge layer in it. So when you wrap around, you get a ridged effect and you also get the, the sponge absorbs the vibration. Well, this was very good for me because uh, I was recovering from quite a bad elbow injury. I was playing a return serve one morning, popped the racket on the glass, as you have to do sometimes. Um, but whatever angle my body was at, it it tore the tendon off, off my elbow. And the pain was excruciating. And uh, and I wasn't able to play for more than three months. I mean, I, I, I couldn't even hold a glass. I had to drink wine with my left hand. How serious is that? Oh, <laughs> I mean, really. No. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the rosé season, though. <laughs> wow. Uh, thankfully, I was able to manage it. Yeah. So, so that's that's my 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 brand allegiance. Um, but uh, primarily, it's Ultra Paddle and and Adidas, um, who have been so good to me for for so long. I, I was really hoping that you will tell the story of Adidas with your French. Uh um accent or how the guy said it because it was so funny <laughs> we we spoke about it and and i just love how you how you speak uh, english with with a french accent when you're well, just mimicking it okay well what a, well we went into the club and the, and the guy said ah now you are 60 we call you our adi daddy yeah that's the one i wanted great <laughs> so now it's uh yeah now they call me adi daddy uh so uh, it makes a change. It's nicer than some of the things I've been called in the past, I can tell you, <laughs> which I couldn't print on the back of my shirt. <laughs> yeah, I guess I was called some names as well on the tennis court before. Not, not yet on a pedal court. I'm trying to behave, but it's oh, quite no. hard to contain myself sometimes. Yeah, well, um, we, we are actually uh, pretty much getting, and I, you know, I appreciate um it's a Saturday morning when we actually came up and and the only only good thing about you not playing paddle is that you can to do the the podcast so almost last but one question is that how do you see paddle evolving in the next five years so where can it go can it be an Olympic sport how how 
massive it is. And, and, and I know that you're doing everything you can to, to turn the tables and to get as many courts uh, installed uh, or just to help with in Ireland as well. But how do you see the whole world uh, taking the whole sport in? Yeah, I think that's a question that a lot of people are asking at the moment. Um, I think we're going to see a, a steady growth. Um, I think we saw a rather explosive growth, which was much talked about in Scandinavian countries. Uh, that really came through the COVID times uh, when all other sports were shut down and paddle was still allowed to be played. So people, there was a demand, they're very sporty, they wanted somewhere to play and people came from lots of other sports. Um, I think a, a more organic growth will be will be slower, but steady nonetheless. Uh, I mean, I'm seeing I'm seeing that now uh, here in France. Just talking to a guy yesterday who's opening up a new a new club with four courts um, in Aix-en-Provence, and constantly with the UK, you're seeing these We Are Paddle and and Rocket Paddle and uh, Paddle for All, Game for Paddle. Uh, so many companies uh, are are coming up, um, many of them with different business models. I, I think I see no reason why they won't all survive. Uh, I really do. Um, I think what's what's happening is commercial uh, operators like like these centers I just mentioned and Interpaddle in Norway, they are different to a club, an existing sports club, which builds paddle courts. So an existing tennis club or even a football club, which adds on paddle courts. It's a different way of growth. I think to, to sustain the growth, you're going to need a club atmosphere. Um, initially, there were some people saying we're going to have a, a fully automated system. And some places did have that, where really you booked your court on, the, on an app and you got a code of entry to open the door on an app and the lights came on on the app. You came, you played, you left. And there was nobody there other than other people playing. I think the to keep the sport growing, we're going to need the club atmosphere. So, you know, when you when you come in, there'll be somebody there who's gonna say, Oh, you know, hi, hi, Dennis, hi Barry, how are you? And you know, you you pay your fee or anything like that, and maybe get a drink. I think that's where the, the growth will will stay. Um, the automated centers, I'm not so sure, but I think we will. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the uh, possibility of an Olympic sport is very real. I don't know how long it's going to take. Possibly 2028, maybe a demonstration sport in 2028. Um, I'm not sure. I, I might be wrong, but I don't think we've got to being a demonstration sport for Paris 24. But certainly there'll be a lot of talk. And uh, the world governing body, uh, FIP, they're doing a lot of work towards, towards getting Olympic status. Once you get Olympic status... The, the, it it goes onto another uh, onto another level. I mean, I, I've seen that with badminton. In my day, when I was playing, it wasn't an Olympic sport. Then it came in years afterwards. It became an Olympic sport, and the money that just just poured in, and, and the countries changed. The dominance, obviously, the Eastern countries were were always very dominant, but European countries who had been not ranked uh, at at badminton. France, for instance, I mean, in the days when I was playing, we as Ireland was a very small country uh, team. We didn't play France because in the same way as we wouldn't play China because China were too good for us and we were too good for France. Now the French team 
are winning European titles at junior level and because and that's definitely the Olympic effect Olympic funding and the more programs and I think that will happen for paddle as well when kids see I can go to the Olympic Games playing the sport that's it and it's the, the kids we have to get in I mean I'm very hung up on senior paddle because that's that's where I am um, but as an administrator um, of the Irish Paddle Association it's it's juniors we have to look at that's where the, the growth will be. And if you tell kids this is an Olympic sport, then and they can see it on the TV, that's happening now. I know kids are very much into online, watching stuff online. I mean, I, I watch a lot of paddle now online because that's the way it is. Um, uh, but TV has a great uh, responsibility towards, towards sports. And once we have that uh, for paddle uh, and an Olympic accreditation, there is no limit. There's no limit. Yeah, sky is the limit. Okay, last. I'm sorry. Last question, which uh, which I am really excited about as well. Like, where where can the fans, your fans, see you next? So, where what's was the plans? Was the scheduling in terms of like the tournaments? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't believe me uh, and the word fan actually goes together. <laughs> uh, other than my dog who has died, I didn't have any fans. Um, my plans to play, uh, I'm hoping to play uh, a seniors event in Amsterdam uh, at the end of June. Uh, that's not confirmed yet. Um, I'll certainly be playing the Six Nations uh, Masters Tournament in uh, Switzerland at the end of May, um, just back from playing uh, at in Derby, in the We Are Paddle there, and in the early autumn then we'll have the International Seniors Paddle Tour, so I'm hoping to play in uh, Vienna, uh, Sardinia, and possibly Montenegro, that's what's on at the moment. That uh, sounds really exciting. Well, that's very that's cool. exciting. Very, we could go on for days, but <laughs> you know what, uh, I, we, we have to set up a day in, in the coming months and you have to come back to the pod because I really, really enjoyed your, your company and, and we'll keep in touch anyway, but I really appreciate your time and thank you very much for featuring. Well, thank you, Dennis. And it was a pleasure to be here and maybe not just come back to the pod. Maybe we can actually have a game. Oh, definitely. Please Live. bring yeah. it on. Thank you. Next very time much. I'm in the UK. Yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm more than happy to travel to Southern France. You, 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 you come down here. I'll bring I'll bring you up to Ez, which is one of the most beautiful clubs in the world, and you can you can play. Like the sound of that. Thank you, Barry. Take care. Thank you. Bye.